Can I say we'll give it up? Will Gaines. Dr. Chartran. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Good to see you, brother. Always a pleasure to be seen, man. Um, well, I've had your brother on here mm-hmm. and some of your uh, compatriots from Cleveland on here. Uh-huh. Jermaine Lockhart, Buddy oh. Banks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm really happy to have you on. We've been trying to find a time to do this. But you have been on the move, homie. I mean, you know, just like you, Brian. It's, you know, we're kind of hard to pin down. <laughs> I can't wait. I need. I I want to know all about you know the recent touring and and the and the record with the Gaines Brothers. That's that's going to be coming up soon. But let's go back to the early years, growing up in Cleveland, mm. um, and you know, kind of the early musical memories. Was there a record that stood out? I mean, your, your father was an accomplished jazz bass player. Uh, your mother was musical. Um, there's, there's so much there. Um, so if we could start there, if we can go back to those early years and, and, and rap about some of those early inspirations, some of those early records, bands, uh, and, and maybe a little bit about what the scene was like in Cleveland and what was mm. inspiring at that point. Mm. So immediately I go back to my living room and um, I grew up in a little two bedroom, one bath, little outhouse basically. Um, But uh, in the living room, yeah, I just remember having the records, Uh like my my pop's records, my mom's records. And they separated them. Well, they they weren't necessarily separated, but. Uh, this side was all of the jazz stuff, and okay. then this side was all of, or on this shelf was all of the classical and all of the the movie. And that was your mom's scores. side, kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, got you. Kind of more um, theatric or like, like Broadway, Broadway yeah. classical. Mm-hmm. And then on my dad's side was more just the jazz and the, um, from um, you know Freddie Cole, Nat King Cole, um, Stanley Turrentine. Um, all of Freddie Hubbard, you know, uh-huh. like all of the stuff that I'm I'm still into right now. Yeah. But um the Fender Road sitting wow in the in the living room. And who that, played it? My dad. Oh he did. My dad's uh played piano organ before um he started playing bass. Um Paul Chambers is the one who actually coerced my dad into playing bass because he heard my dad run bass on organ. Uh-huh. Huh. And my dad took him up on it. Wow. Allegedly. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like um my dad uh performed on the Mike Douglas show uh-huh. as the principal bassist for I believe from nineteen sixty two to like maybe nineteen seventy. And what was the instrumentation of that band? Was it and it was it straight ahead jazz? Oh, like uh, it's a daytime variety show. Gotcha. So it's jazz. Like uh, I think Bob McKee was the music director, if I'm not mistaken. But my dad was basically the first African American on syndicated television wow. in the Midwest. Wow. Seriously. Wow. So, <clears throat> um, from that he met, um, you know, on daytime television. You know, you got Sinatra coming through. You got, um, uh, um. Uh, that's where he met Wynton Kelly, uh. and um, if uh, if I remember correctly, like my, I just got the chance to like go home and talk to my dad about all the stories. So Earl Earl Gardner was recruiting my dad before he got the Mike Douglas show. So um, m- uh, my dad told Earl Gardner that he's just got the gig with the Mike Douglas show, and uh. he was like, 
financially, like it'll be a better uh-huh. thing for you to be on the television show than the tour with Earl Gardner, huh. just to let you know what type of status like that is. Well, and and I don't know who Earl Gardner is. Earl Gardner is a, a organist, pianist, okay. pianist, uh-huh. like um, okay, uh, a pioneer, uh-huh. one of the pioneers of uh, piano, really, like um, in, in jazz in the jazz world. Wow. So, um, ironically, uh, my father was a protege of a drummer named Fats Hurd in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, who ran a, a jazz club downtown called the Modern Jazz Quartet. This is all Google, Modern Jazz Room. Mm. If This is all Googleable. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's kind of hard to find, but it's all Googleable. Mm-hmm. So my dad, uh, he, he was the young boy. He was the young yeah. musician, you yeah. know? And um, um, he just switched from piano to, uh, to bass when he got out of the military. He was Air Force. Okay. He tried to get a cook job. He tried to get he was a he was a cook in the, the military. Um he cooked for thousands. Yeah. You know, and then he got out and he tried to get be a chef and uh-huh. um he ran into racial tensions yeah. like in trying to further himself after he got out of the military and then he just said, Fuck it, I'm Was gonna. this Vietnam? No, this is more uh, around the time of the Korean War, if okay. I'm not mistaken. So- so Korean was So my dad 50s. was born in 90 he was he was born in 1937. He was a depression baby. Uh-huh. Okay. So what Yeah, so so I think Korea was yeah. in the 50s. Yeah, not maybe not specifically when the Korea war happened, I got but you. around that time. Okay. That's when he's in the military. I see. I got yeah. you. He may, maybe he didn't have active service like in an, in a in a war, but yeah. he was just working Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Absolutely. So um so he was trying to further his career after the military and uh after he got, you know, he tried to go to school for music and couldn't go in because he didn't finish high school. So he just said, fuck it, I'm going to fucking play, man. Yeah. <laughs> so. And and one thing that has come up a number of times talking about Cleveland, um, it was such a hub of music, right? I mean, we, you know, we talk about um, the routing, you know, major players came through Cleveland on their way to oh, Detroit or Chicago or whatever. Yeah. So. There must have been a really thriving jazz community and, and local artists and, and visiting artists and well yeah the Mike Douglas show was which was the premier national television show in the country it oh. was in Cleveland yeah and then it moved to Philadelphia in the in the seventies if I believe okay yeah okay but like that just shows you what you know right where Cleveland was like right. there, Cleveland was uh my dad used to play at a spot called the theatrical like he was uh that's why he never left uh-huh. I, growing up in Cleveland. You know, it was totally different when it hit the '80s and the crack hit, and you know, and uh, all the all the all the bullshit started happening. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but growing up, you I used to wonder like, why why would you stay here? Mm. You know, if you had all these opportunities and if you had, you know, you know, mm-hmm. if your career was what it was, like, why would you stay here? But then, you know, now I'm in Denver, and I I'm picturing like Denver's a kind of a lot like how uh, Cleveland was. In the Industrial Revolution, mm-hmm. the boom, mm-hmm. like the boom that happened, mm-hmm. you know, that's when uh, Denver um, legalized marijuana. Mm-hmm. 2014, it went from you know small, it's kind know, of sleepy, sleepy town yeah. to a you know, yeah, a full blown metropolis, yeah, in five years, yeah, yeah. So, all right, so <clears throat> when, like, when did you find your instrument? What was inspiring to you musically as a kid? So uh, I'll go back to the living room. My bad. <laughs> the uh, Fender Rose. So my my pops taught me and my brother the boogie woogie, 
and um, a, a jazz standard called Where Is Love, or like a ballad. And he taught both of us these tunes at the same time. Uh-huh. And I was two years younger than my brother, but you could tell immediately that my brother was going to be special. Like, what? well, I could tell. <laughs> I could tell. And like, how old were you? I was probably four or five. Okay. And he was like seven. Yeah. Or maybe I was like, you know, he was yeah. like six or seven. Okay. We're young. Yeah. We're, we're just Got young. you. Yeah. But you could tell, like, I could, like, I'm, I'm, I'm talented. I can, you know, I have a good ear. Yeah. But like, I'll just, get over, I'll get around it. Yeah. yeah give just, me some time. No, but you could tell just, yeah. you could just tell. Huh. Huh. You could just tell. That's it. Yeah. But we ended up playing, uh, he went, he switched to saxophone when he got to middle school, uh-huh. uh, or, uh, elementary school, middle school. Yeah. He, he switched to saxophone. I played trumpet and then I played French horn for a little bit. Um, and then, um, I found bass at thir- when I was 13 years old. So uh, my brother switched from saxophone. He played in the jazz bands and the orchestras and all that. And then he came to a place where he wanted to play piano. Huh. And uh, in school, I'll, I'll name some Cleveland cats. In the Cleveland School of the Arts, like when I came up, the cats were um, Walter Barnes, Terrence Good, and... Um, Brandon Prowl and uh, Victor Taylor. And uh, Cleveland School of the Arts has a long history of very talented, like outstanding musicians. Uh, Lauren Frierson, uh, the Hubbard brothers, um, uh, Frank McComb, mm. you know, like some outstanding, like Heavies. just, yeah, that came out of there and have had flourishing careers mm. and like very influential. Like Frank McComb is probably one of the top 10, you know, musicians, singers, like, standing on two feet today hmm. in my personal opinion mm-hmm. but like yeah that's the type of lineage you know that we, came out of the same school that you went to yeah, yeah. so um yeah. walter barnes was the principal bass player in cleveland school of the arts before, and then he graduated my sister graduated the same year 1997 and then i came into school in 98 and then 99 is when i started playing bass mm-hmm. and i was terrible i was absolutely terrible when i started why what do you think what do you was it the physicality of it or no conceptually like i was coming from a jazz perspective but the scene i was in in the school like everybody was more church and like funk okay like, so the first thing i learned on bass was the f blues and then i learned my brother helped me learn a tune called don't get around much anymore sure like a jazz standard i know that tune. yeah yeah he uh, he helped me learn that, and that's the second song I learned ever. And um, I went to the I was playing bass for a week, and I went to the jazz to the jazz band in the school, and they let me play <laughs> the tunes. They just let me start playing. So that's, that's how. It. I mean, nice at that early age to have someone see it, you know, in you and reinforce what you feel, right? I mean, I can look back on on. on it was because of my dad, though. Like, yeah, but yeah. I'll take it. I'll yeah, take like, it. like, and the reason I was getting those opportunities because everybody who was teaching at the school knew who my dad was, and they knew who we were, and 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 the potential that was there. Absolutely, like let's crack, let's let's. This is a big lump of clay. Like let's yeah. give these cats the tools. You know? Absolutely, and that's that's it, man. And and I can definitely look back on my uh, a couple musical instructors, and and they saw something. Well, you're, I didn't see it. At the, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I was right. just fucking off. Yeah, you're just a kid. Yeah, man. you just want to play. And they're like, "Oh, there's something here. Yeah. Let's let's steer it." You know. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, no, we um we Mr. Dr. Woods was our uh, teacher. Um, he was the um over the music department in the high school, and he was in high esteem. Like he he basically my me and my brother talk about it. He's basically the educated vert. If my father decided to be an educator, mm-hmm. he would have been Dr. Woods. Mm-hmm. They come from the same school, the same like mm-hmm. you know um, depression babies. Mm-hmm. Um. Probably grew up listening to the same music well, and, yeah. and a lot of the same inspirations. But that's and, that's why he had so much respect for my dad, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's how my sister got into school and they let us into school. And that's why they kind of let us just roam in our creative freedom, you that's know, awesome. like just figure it out. Yeah. And I was a knucklehead. I was I got in so much trouble in school, like way more <laughs> than my brother. And my brother, I feel like my brother was worse than me. But he was just, he just like every, the perception though. Yeah. Yeah, like dude. yeah, he's yeah, he's quiet. He's fine. Yeah, get the. F- yeah. <laughs> he doesn't. He's not the troublemaker. Oh, okay, but let's look at oh, Will. Okay. Yeah, yeah, a little bit more outspoken. <laughs> a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, it was him. <laughs> it was him. That classic, <laughs> classic sibling shit. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so what? So what happens after after that experience? Um, so I'm, I get to play bass. And the only reason why I picked bass, honestly, my brother is the one who um, convinced me to, like, I had the idea of it. I I wanted to get a bass when I was younger, but my father wouldn't, he wouldn't just buy it for me. Did he, did he not? I, I, I mean, I, I'll tell you this I, story. He, uh, I, I went, like, he went out for a gig, and this is when I started getting older. I was, like, maybe 11 or 12, and he had two upright basses, the same upright basses I have in my basement right no now. No kidding? I swear. That's it. So I, wow. he left for a gig, and I'm just, like, I'm in that stage, man. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, like, I've got the, I got the, I got the itch. I got the itch, and I had, I had already asked for a bass a long time ago, and I, he, like, he didn't get me a bass. Mm-hmm. But, like, he left for a gig, and I went in the room, and I started messing with the other bass and of course this is the day that he forgot something oh. and he came back in the house and he just saw me like playing with his bass like in his room uh-huh. and it was bad news bears bro like Why? just bad, like oh. he just wasn't happy he just yeah. was not happy with me going in his room and like he didn't Touching see it he shit. didn't see it like oh my god he wants like right, he, wants, right. he was like what the f- right. <laughs> what get the- out of my shit <laughs> you know quit f- touching my shit <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> So, you know, I have my feelings about that to this day. Because uh-huh. if I could have played upright the same time I played um, electric, electric. Yeah. yeah, I would I would be, I don't know, I feel like I'd be a different, I would be a different animal. But not necessarily any better. Well, not a better, I wouldn't be a better bassist. I would just be a more well-rounded. And then, like, I'm a jazz, I'm a jazz right. junkie. Right. I'm a fucking, like, at one day I just want to quit everything and just play standards with my brother on an acoustic piano. Like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'd go to that show. Yeah. Come <laughs> <Right>. on, man. <laughs> like, I'm only going to be a rapper for so long, Brian. Come on. <laughs> do you think, do you think that, your, that your dad and your mom didn't want you to go into music at any point oh no no like they were supportive of it yeah they never made us but once we made the decision Uh my dad was like okay this is what you want to do okay okay so he yeah yeah he would just grab me out the blue after i started playing bass i'm in here you know i'm in here fagging off i'm over here like watching tv (laughs) feet up musty feet like he's like he just grabs me out the out the room and like dude get your bass and i'm fuck i would be it would be frustrating and he would just start playing the tune a tune i don't know right tune i would have to hear my way through and then 
even like after I started knowing the tunes, like there would just be nothing I could do right. Uh. And every like for years, like nothing I could do right. And then, you know, after a while, like I talk about that with my brother as well. Like now it's like I can play with anybody because of those situations. Right. Right. He knows I didn't know the song. Sure. He knew I was just a kid. I didn't right. know I have a vocabulary. Right. But like he was, he, that was tough love. Yeah. Like giving me the tough love and be like, no, nobody cares. Huh. You know? Oh. Like you either got it or you don't. Huh. That's what I learned from those situations. Huh. So like he didn't make me play, but when I made that decision, he always like put things in perspective in a very interesting manner. Uh huh. <laughs> you know? Well, and coming from decades of professional experience too fucking yeah right i mean dude mike duck like dude winton kelly and yeah like dude yeah eddie harris like he's played what of jimmy smith he had jimmy smith playing on his gig piano and they didn't even know it was jimmy smith he's an organ player (laughs) like that's the type that's the type of elk you know my dad so Mm. when my dad started playing bass he he called ron carter and asked him whoa what pickups to put on his bass. Wow. And Ron Carter is the most recorded He's, bassist on the planet. Of Yeah, of hands down easy. On the planet. And multi-genre, right? Oh, I my mean, God. I got, hip to, I got hip to Ron Carter through Tribe Called Quest. Thank you. I Thank mean, you. Right? Thank you. And and That's and like, then and then you and then like, oh fuck, he's on that record too? That record? Thank you. Motherfucker's been around and just yeah. crushing it at the dun, dun, highest dun, level. Dun, 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 Come on, dog. No, that's yeah. So all right, so he had I mean he called yeah. up Ron Carter. Called him Jesus on the phone. Man. Come on, man. On the phone, dude. So I'm like, so that's the type, like my dad is yeah. literally an undocumented or a documented, if you can really dig into it, like right. Cleveland history is like, I got all the articles and shit. Like yeah. we've been cleaning out the house and, wow. but wow. it's been really interesting digging into all, and figuring out all the stuff that they wouldn't tell us when right. we were kids, you know? Right. But, you know, just like complete circle, like yes. putting the puzzle together. Well, and, and maybe now you as a, as a husband and father, uh start to see maybe why i mean yeah i mean i just i respect my dad for you know teaching me what a man is supposed mm-hmm. to do mm-hmm. and what a man is supposed to meet even with all his flaws mm-hmm. like he he stood on what he believed in he did what he wanted to do mm-hmm. and he made a life out of it mm-hmm. and i can't say you know what right. the what the hell that am is, i going to say that is a sterling dude, thing it's untouchable dude right you know yeah. and and honestly when i run through like i i got a lot of the op- this is another reason why i had to leave cleveland I, I had so many of the opportunities i had just because of who my father was mm-hmm. so for me to know who i am and like if i'm really cut from that elk i had to leave mhm Hmm. You know why to prove it to somebody? To myself, to you. yeah, yeah. Oh, to get out of the situation. So that, I moved to Phoenix. Don't right. nobody know my dad. Don't right. nobody who right. I am. Right. Don't nobody know my brother. Right. So we got to recreate that, right. and now we have that right. in Phoenix. Yeah, and in Denver, and in Denver. Yeah. yeah, and in LA. Right. So it's like, you know, trial and error. But I, I that's I respect my day. Nobody's perfect. Like I could be mad about a whole bunch of shit from sure. where I was growing up, but because right. of the generation gap, uh-huh. like you can imagine what your friends are doing when their parents are 
15 years older than him or right. 20 years older than him as opposed to like I'm still doing shit like he used to do when he was a kid and he grew up in the 40s right in the 50s right so I'm sitting here like it's 1990 it's 92 right. dude like what, what do you want me to do I'm sorry <laughs> so so all right so what happens no okay why did you leave Cleveland and why did you pick Phoenix? Um, so And what year was that? We left Cleveland so 05. We left Cleveland in 05. Okay. Winter February of 05 and Good time to leave Cleveland. You come down here and you're Dude, like, what? I, so Dave when I graduated years? high school <laughs> Some air quotes. So I got I got kicked out of I got kicked out of fucking school at ours, bro. I got kicked out. What happened? Uh, Come on. I don't want to get into all the politics. Uh, okay. Just say like, so my brother graduated, and I just couldn't get away with the shit that I was doing okay. before. Like, yeah. So I was trying to buckle down, like, and it just wasn't working out for me. So, <laughs> so I told my parents, I was like, yo, you know, my dad was like, yo, if you want to graduate, your, your sister graduated from here, your brother graduated from here, that's where you're going to graduate from. And I had to tell him, like, I let that sit for a couple of weeks. And I was like, yo, if you want me to graduate, it's not going to be from, I'm, I'm, it's not going to be from this school. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I want, I want to give you guys like what you want, but hmm. it's not going to be if. If I stay here, I'm gonna have an assault charge or something like this. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. rolling. Yeah, like a lot of politics was involved. You know, where I grew up in the school I grew up in, like playing music and you know, um, <clears throat> but it got me prepared for what I was gonna have to deal with anyway. The mm -hmm. politics of music, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, good point. Yeah, it's like you know, forty-eight laws of power, baby. You know what you're gonna do? <laughs> Shit, you're gonna you're either gonna win, or you're gonna win. Are we gonna win? I'm gonna win. <laughs> but why Phoenix? So my sister, she's the only one out of out of us that got to go to college. Okay, she went to O State. I don't even remember what she majored in. It didn't even matter. And then decided she didn't want to go to college anymore. And then she moved to Phoenix. Okay. My parents helped them move to Phoenix. And then I I paid a visit. You know, I was still in high school. Uh -huh. And I paid a visit. And I just had the time of my life. Uh-huh. Like, the weather. Yeah. The, I mean, the different culture. Like, and, you know, you can picture Phoenix in old three or oh four. Mm -hmm. It's a totally different than it is now. Downtown. Definitely. Downtown, even Old Town Scottsdale. Yeah, to picture that in 03, 04, and even Mill Avenue. Right. If you think about it. No, yeah, Mill Avenue was still kind of sleepy, bro. Bro, I like, yeah, you still had Hippie Gypsy there. Yeah, Long yeah. Longs. You Dude, still had all these great straight up. clubs. There was still a little bit of music yeah. happening. Yeah. A little bit. Bash on Ash. You know, Nita's Hideaway, I think, had clothes, but. Yeah, it's just overly corporate now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So corporate. Well, now. yeah, it's yeah. like all owned by Applebee's there and fucking TGI Friday. Yeah, once Hippie Gypsy left, I'm like, like, oh my god it's over right it's over yeah so yeah. yeah i paid a visit i mean i i got to i was like i was rapping and i was doing like different shit like i've been playing like playing bass and like singing forever and i'm like i just started exploring like just different different yeah. shit because i didn't want to be an r&b singer brian right like i didn't want to be a whining ballad rb singer right. so i was like i'm just about to do something different so when i graduated like i, I went to phoenix and there i don't even remember what the club was. it was some 
fuck independent like it's gone <laughs> it's gone but it was on mill ave and i was in there it was like hip-hop centric huh. and i was like spitting freestyles on the stage and like kicking it like i just had a whole experience like, yeah here in phoenix and yeah. when i went back i was like oh i'm gonna go live there yeah it was no question in my mind yeah and um it took a couple years like um i saw i was still living with my parents then um so what what what's the time like that was like oh three okay and then when I went back, a whole bunch of shit happened. Graduated. I had to, you know, move out on my own. Me and my brother were living on St. Clair and Eddie and Taft, like, had a roommate. But my brother was playing for, uh, he got a gig with Pieces of a Dream. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, he was 18. Wow. He just turned fucking 18 or something like wow. that. So the dude's like, he's in and out of town. I was like, dude, you might as well just, like, live with me because, you know. Yeah, my parents have been raising us since we were what? Then since 1978, right? Since my sister was born, it's like they, just, you know, they they gotta have their own thing now. Like right. so, we were on St. Clair, and it was just like the the hood hood on the other side of the of the city. Like, okay, if you don't think about Cleveland. It's all it's all areas. It's, it's gangs. It's hoods. Like Harvard doesn't like Kinsman. Kinsman doesn't like. Uh-huh. St. Clair, like okay. some stuff like I wasn't even involved with, but you have to know what's going on just because that's your environment. Uh huh. So like, <clears throat> so I I moved to the other side of the of the city, which is St. Clair, which is another hood, which is a, <laughs> and which is highlighting the point. Like, my brother and I always had positive things going on. Mm-hmm. Like, but for like for when I was on St. Clair, I had the gigs. I was driving a 1991 Camaro T-top gray. That Come bitch was on. fucking cold. Come on. So the, so the little, you know, the niggas on the, the niggas on the black, they like, who the fuck is this nigga? Who is this guy? Who is this guy? So I had the gigs, but like with my extra money, like I was, you know, I was buying the weed. Yeah. Had my fucking clients. I was reing up. I was doubling my money like that yeah. way. Like, yeah. you know, like I was doing like little hustler shit. Yeah. But then, you know, when the jealousy kicks in and like you get niggas start sitting on your car uh-huh. outside on like, you know, okay. on the block, they start testing you, you know? Yeah. So it was either going to be a, a path of like unnecessary shit. Yeah. Or like, just get the fuck out of here, dude. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Wow. So if they drag you in the mud, you know, you can't be mad for getting dirty. Right. So right. it's like if I if I'm doing positive shit and they like they not liking how I'm moving or like they're jealous. I've always had to deal with jealousy, Brian, for really? some reason. For really? some reason. Yeah. For some reason. And I love everybody. Like yeah. I like I was telling you outside, I just want to see everybody win. Yeah. Like even the people who done like who did whatever, it doesn't matter. Like for right. some reason, I've always known that I'm gonna be good. Yeah, that's the type of fire I got. Yeah, like I've always known. Like it doesn't matter what you do to me. It doesn't matter what the hell I go through. Like this is spiritual to me. Huh. Like what I do has always been bigger than me. Huh. So, I, I I walk with that man every every day. Every day I walk with that, bro. That's and and I'm just you know thinking about you know what we all went through the last couple years, and without that kind of attitude and fire and and sense of purpose and drive man i am you know and to be deadly honest with you um the whole covid thing really flattened me out oh man you know yeah and what i could have really used was that internal fire and that's why crazy enough during that shit me and my brother were like really good yeah like there was like 
Like, well, and 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 you know, not to cut you off, but okay. you know, but it, you know, LG is one of the hardest working motherfuckers in town. I mean, you and him both, but well, yeah, but no. LG, you know, he's it's like, a, come on, man, world. it's like take it, take it. Well, that's where up. I got it from because yeah. I'm a I'm a fucking knucklehead, right? I've well, like, listen, everyone loves their older brothers. Oh, their older brothers, that's like that's the true north, homie. Oh, fuck you yeah. know, and it's like sure, your parents, that's one thing. Yeah. And you know, like, okay, I, I, I got that from yeah. my dad. I got that from my mom. But you, but the biggest cues are from your brothers. I better believe I'm not yeah. gonna be. I'm not gonna move to Denver. And the next time I see my brother, I don't have some shit on this base right. to fucking show this nigga. Like straight up, <laughs> come on, B. Like he that type of dude. <laughs> and I grew up like, and my father's that type of dude. Like I uh-huh. grew up with that type of competitive right. energy. Right. Like so, my brother has always been. You just know, like, he different. Uh-huh. He different. Yeah. So, like, in order for me to feel good with myself, like, I was like, nah, I already set the goals for myself. Like, you're not going to let, he not going to go nowhere that you can't go, period. Mm-hmm. I said that to myself. Nobody mm-hmm. else had to tell me that. Mm-hmm. So, I've really had to put things in the perspective, priority-wise in my life, you know, mixing my per- our personality types. Mm-hmm. Like, we're, uh, we're yin and yang mm-hmm. when we're not together. Like, he has... All, he 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 has more of my traits when we're not together, mm-hmm. and I have more of his traits when we're not together. But when we're together, like, yeah. we don't have to live in those worlds, which right. is why it's important that we spend time apart. Yeah, yeah, interesting. You know? Yeah, interesting. And every time we come together, we're better. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I can see that. And having worked with you both for a number of years, it's like, and I got to tell you, just, just now that it popped in my brain, having you... Uh, a part of Live from Laurel Canyon. Oh my God. It's so much fun, bro. Dude. Because I get to be a part of your conversation. <laughs> Just the conversation that you were having with LG. I get to be there to witness it, like, and I'm feet away. It's, bro, that is a huge honor for me. Just to hear how you communicate. That's the spirituality I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. Like, I, I'm like, the only thing I've ever done religious in this life has is, is been music. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's. And that, that's that expression that but but it's also it's that it's that blood conversation you yeah. know what i'm saying and that and that shit is something i never really got to experience but i would imagine it would be so fun to tap into that well and then when you don't have well like when we're not together and right. we don't have that like mm-hmm. it's almost it's fuck it's heroin man mm-hmm. it's like where is it like i need that I you are like that. freebasing some serious I need shit. That, yeah, you know, yeah. like and then like all like don't get me wrong, like playing with cats like is great. Like yeah. having all the musical experiences and yeah. like you know all the cats I've played with. But there's absolutely nothing on this planet like playing with my brother. Yeah, and tapping in. Like there's nothing. There's nothing like it. Can you share? I'm just dying to know. <laughs> I'm dying for like a young, like a young LG memory. Just like some, just something, maybe, maybe it was a musical moment or not. And I'm also dying for a young Buddy Banks memory. Really? <laughs> like when, yeah. Well, when you you know when you meet these cats, because now they're all out here making music. You guys have you know twenty, thirty years uh, or maybe more of of music together, and just I mean nothing incriminating. You know, Buddy yeah, laid but- it all out. Yeah. On the last I just the, said I just admitted yeah. to selling drugs and shit. Like <laughs> yeah. it's all yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. It's no, just it's, what it is. It's not even that. It's it's just like any any glimpse into 
what LG and 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 Buddy were like as so, as young kids, you know. So I met Buddy. He was already in his twenties, but he looked like he was fifteen. Oh yeah, dude. He had he had he had dope dealer braids and Kooji pants, the blue Kooji pants. He used to fucking wear every day. I swear to God. Dude, a white tee, Kooji pants. He living in the basement. We used to go to the basement, dog. He's got the drums set up. He was playing. I can't remember what church it was, but uh, he was playing. It was uh, the organist name, Serena Williams. Was Serena the, Williams? Serena. Well, uh, not Serena Williams. Her name's Serena. I can't remember right, her last name. Something, Serena something. Serena, but not the world not famous. The, not the world famous tennis player. It might be. It might be. Like, hold on, Serena. Not. I said Serena Williams. No, Serena, the Oregon player. Okay. And I can't recall her last name right now, but she called like she Cleveland. But he was playing church at at, at the, he was playing drums at the church. And um, yeah, he was wearing blue coochie pants and fucking and braids and shit. He was just getting out of that that time. Where he was throwing gang signs yeah. on Harvard. <laughs> but I don't know. What can I say about my brother? I have a whole bunch. What am I going to say about my brother? Yeah, I mean, I, I know, I'm not <sighs> trying to throw LG under the bus. But I, I, I would just, I, I, I can kind of imagine him as a, as a kid, you know? It's but, the same. Everybody yeah. feels the same. Like, there was like, he's like, I never had the impression that everybody else had because it's my brother yeah. he's not quiet to me right like he's not like right. standoffish to me like i see his full personality yeah. all the time because that's yeah. my brother everybody yeah. else has this like yeah like it's like a it's mystery a, it's a little measured it's right? mis- it's a total mystery yeah. you have no yeah. idea yeah <laughs> I, I, you have no idea I, Brian. I, he's I, out of his mind <laughs> Well, like, well, you know. Shout out to uh, <laughs> shout out to Lamar and shout out to Buddy and and Jermaine Lockhart. All these Jermaine, great, yeah. oh man, I yeah. ain't seen Jermaine in so long. He's got a farm. Shout out, I know. Like, like shout out Unlimited. <laughs> yeah, shout out Unlimited. Yeah, baby. Come and on. we made some noise. Yeah, we made some noise. Oh my god, that was an incredible band. And uh, well, we did a uh, the opener at the Rhythm Room was pretty much our last gig. No shit. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, we we did our release, and then yeah, we kind of we kind of just you went, know went our separate ways. Went separate man. ways. Yeah, yeah. We, we did a couple. We still do gigs together and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But yeah, man, doing a group is hard. Yeah, doing a group is really hard. You know, the and, um, the level of commitment is tough, man. When when you know, and not even talking about the bread, but you know, everyone has to be full 150% into this motherfucker to get it off. Well, yeah. You know? Yeah. It's not like a, you know, it's not like a, I mean, I, I hesitate to compare it to like a Laurel Canyon where it's, it's, an, it's an assembly of musicians. Definitely. You know, we go out and we do this one show, whereas yeah. if you're doing an original thing. When and, you're writing. Yeah. And then you have sessions, and right. then you know you're splitting it up in a certain right. way, and then one guy does the media, and then somebody right. does the production. It's like, but everyone has to do something. Thank you. Yeah, you know. Well, it, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, you know. Right. And um, and I might be a little out of my mind. I, I'm a little obsessive compulsive, if you want to say. Like, I think you have to have a little bit of that. You have to have that attention to detail. Yeah. I you mean, I, I mean, I'm. 
I'm not necessarily um, reluctant for confrontation or like if I need if I have something I have to say, I'm always going to say it, whether mm -hmm. the tension is there or not. I've mm -hmm. always just been that guy. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, I've learned if if I want it, if I want it, if I want to have total control, I'm just going to have to do it myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, that's what I've learned. Or if you want if you want to succeed the way you want to succeed, I need to control this. Well, yeah. And manage it. Well, you yeah. Know? You yeah. Know? So like I'm, I, I live on a no excuse basis. Mm -hmm. Like I've always done that. Like that's how, I mean, that's how my brother is. Mm -hmm. I honestly kind of learned it from him. Mm -hmm. um, and we've never said this. Like mm -hmm. he lives by no excuse basis. Like mm -hmm. he, like if he has some, like he's he's at the crib right now reading, reading a book on some fucking software that he wants to learn. Like, mm -hmm. If he doesn't know something, he just goes learn. And he learn. just goes and learns, learns it, it for himself. He yeah. doesn't need to uh, enroll in a course. Right. He doesn't need somebody to teach him. Like or give him a grade at the end of it. No, right. he just goes and does it. Right. That's just like that, that's the type of energy I've always grown up with, and that's yeah. what I take with me. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just like you. Got, at the end of the day, you gotta look yourself in the mirror. Are you gonna have excuses at the end of the day? Are you gonna say I did the shit? Right. You know. Right. Just a friendly reminder. November 10th, Thursday, we're going to do a big blowout show. So the story goes, the podcast slash the show, it's going to be at the Walmack. Just set a little reminder on your phone. That's all I'm asking you to do. The ticket link is going to be available very soon. We're locking down the details, but I can tell you this. Four bands. Steph and the Articles. Lee Pereira. Vinyl Station. Yours truly. It's going to be a fun night. Hope you can join us. Information's coming. Santan Brewing Company is going to be there. Offering a welcome drink and doing like a, a little tasting. They make great spirits. Looking forward to it. Hope to see your faces. It's going to be fun. November 10th. More info coming soon. Back to Will Gaines. Let's get to you coming to Phoenix. So early 2003... This is 05. 05. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you visited in 03. I visited 03, visited my sister, had yeah. a had a blast, yeah. had an experience, felt the land, felt the spirits, felt mm -hmm. the energy here and said that this is where I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. So um I went back and um I was telling my brother and my cousin, my cousin Reggie, that like, yeah, this is, you know, this is where I want to go, this is where I want to be eventually, you know. Mm. But you know, you have everybody that talks about um what they want to do or like we're gonna move somewhere and like do something but like nobody actually has the balls to do it you mm -hmm. know? so but i i have those balls but... <laughs> 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 all right so you pick so you pick phoenix yeah so and you roll out you drive out yeah so we're we live on saint Clair. um my my cousin reggie just came back from the military he was in the navy he was uh, just going through a divorce with his wife. He has a daughter. And then my brother just quit pieces. He was like, wanted to do something else. And I felt like I did everything in the city that mm -hmm. I knew everybody. And mm -hmm. like, I had done everything I needed to do. And, you know, it's Cleveland. It's not New York. It's not LA. Mm -hmm. So, like, the, the, the outlet to a national audience isn't necessarily. 
prominent in Cleveland. And that was in 05. I'm not saying that for today, but in 05, that's how I felt. And no pull to New York or Chicago or L.A.? Well, I just wasn't, I didn't have the brain how I have now. Like, I'm a a traveler now. Like, so, you know, I like when I lived in Phoenix, when I was making my way to LA like I was driving there and that's six hours yeah but you're thinking from Cleveland I could have hit I could hit so many I could hit Philly I could hit New York I get Albany the six hour radius from Cleveland bro I could have been running through that but that's the type of mentality I was Mm -hmm. in being in Cleveland like Mm -hmm. just that one city like Mm -hmm. that in that world that you think you're a big shot you're somebody Mm -hmm. you're like you're you're in a small little you're a peon bro like so yeah I was like, that shit was happening on the block. Like, you know, people jealous. Like, you know, you got two chances. Like, you stay here, you deal with that shit, or you just make something something else. Mm -hmm. So moving to Phoenix was a complete... Like, I didn't have a job set up. I didn't have... I didn't know of some musicians. I didn't know a gig. I didn't know anything. I just know Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be in Cleveland anymore. Mm -hmm. And you had a family connection out here. Yeah, my sister. Yeah. But... She had a husband and a daughter, uh. and I'm moving with my brother and my cousin. What are we going to do, yeah. live with them? Right, right. I just moved. Right. I just moved. And I know it wasn't no win- there were no winters yeah. in Phoenix. God bless this place. <sighs> so, you know, I did. we did the move. It took The move took about a couple of days. Straight drive. I had my shit in trash bags, you know. <laughs> I had a 1978 Ford LTD, all green, money green. I had a dope dealer car, bro. <laughs> That shit was like literally. I when I bought it, it had thirty two thousand miles. Like the OGs used to pull me over, and be like, "Yo, you got the cleanest old school in the in the city." Like no rims, like just factory. Uh-huh. I say that. All right, well, hit me with these early Phoenix days, Phoenix, and, days. and, and how you got into the Black Forest Mill because that's where I heard about you. I don't think I ever saw a show. But it was also around the time, I want to say, that I met Lamar. So meeting Lamar, playing with Lamar, hearing that he has a brother who plays bass, who has this residency. Yeah. So so we moved to Phoenix in 05. And we're homeless. We're, We're eating oranges off trees and shit. I'm playing basketball at the park. Like... Um, we would get odd jobs yeah. through the summer to like just have a place to stay because it's too hot to be outside and right. shit. So I would get an odd job through the summer to have a crib through the summer. Right. And then be tired of the job, quit the job, get evicted out of my apartment, and then be back running around <laughs> doing whatever the fuck. Just doing dumb <laughs> shit, bro. Like, like I think back to that time, like, what are you doing? Like, what are you thinking? But like, And how old are you at this time? I was 19. Okay. Well, okay. I was nineteen. I was twenty. Yeah, well, that's what you do when you're nineteen, twenty. You, well, you, you know, you, everybody else is in college, bro. Right? right. Everybody right. else is doing the same. But I always had the burden of responsibility. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. Like, so my, my best friend was Storm Bridgewater. He's from Hawaii. He was going to ASU. I was like a host at Uno's Pizzeria. Mm-hmm. I, I planned to be a bartender, but they gave me a host position. Like, here, bitch. <laughs> Like here, yeah. Walks here, the motherfuckers yeah. to a table. I'm like, these motherfuckers are using this shit for fucking beer money. I'm using this for bills. Right. Like, right. dude, no lie. Right. No lie. Uh Uno's Pizzeria, Mill Avenue. Uh, I took so many shifts for all of the college uh, workers that were there on the host stand. They had to pay me out 
it had to be somewhere like $1,400 as a host. Wow. That's how hard, like, I was hustling. Like, I'm like, yeah. all right, if I can't be a bartender or a server, right. I'm going I'm to I'm find the money. Right. They had a whole meeting about me. It was like, nah, what would it, what kind of check is what what kind of check is this, bro? Like, what are you doing? Like, we'll never pay this out. I was like, but you was gonna have to pay that out to all the rest of the workers anyway, right? Right, right. Cause they don't wanna be here. I'm right. just like, but you hired me as a host, right? All right. So they capped me off uh-huh. and then started hiring new servers. Uh-huh. Huh. So I was like, okay, yeah. This really this workforce really I'm gonna have to do some music. Yeah. This, huh. this, this work so that was the change that was what kind of threw you into music full time no i mean that's what let me know that i was basically fucked in the in the workforce right. so i had a couple of more years of that i worked at bank of america as a small business collector i was top three top five in numbers every every month yeah never got promoted yeah. And they sent the new trainees in to like learn from, from whatever you. what I was doing. Right, like, right, yeah, right. right. And then after I quit that job, and then I was fucking making sandwiches at Chiba Hut, bro. I was fucking, <laughs> I was making the white widows with the bacon. With the <laughs> and the and managers coming back to tell me how to split the bread, bro. Like, I'm splitting it wrong. Like, what the, what the fuck are we talking about, bro? What are we talking about? <laughs> so eventually you just get to a place where you're like right. what am i doing Fuck this. what am i doing <laughs> right. what am i doing right now right man? right so i mean that, that that period of time happened i was 1920 um i went through my brother he was working at the zoo believe it or not as a trash man or a trash whatever yeah. compost whatever whatever yeah. that was and um my brother went through his trials and tribulations, and he just decided one day that he was going to drive trucks. He was like, well, I'm tired of shit. I'm about to drive trucks. I'm about to start making some money. So um, he did that, and then it left me with the decision. What am I going to do? Right. You know. So I decided, I was like, I want to be a massage therapist. I'm going to go to Pima Medical Institute, and instead of working one of these dumb jobs where right. somebody can tell me how to split some bread to make a sandwich, I'm just going to do what I know best, which is, at this moment, play bass. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't been playing or anything, but I hmm. I never, like, I had a Ken, my mother helped me buy a $5,000 Ken Smith Black Tiger when I was 17 years old. Hmm. And through all of the trials, through all of the moves, through all of the... All of the bullshit. I always kept it on my back. People were telling me that, oh, you should just pawn it because you need some money or some shit like that. I, I was literally sleeping on picnic tables at the park with that on my back. Hmm. Hmm. And I still have it to this day, Brian. I don't even That's play awesome. it anymore. But yeah. that every time I look at it, it, it reminds wall. me. Hangs on the wall. That's, it that's fucking a fucking reminds, piece, bro. It fucking reminds me of yeah. who I am and where I come from. Right. So. I used that bass, and that's the bass I was playing at Black Force Mill. Mm. It was I was touching gold. I couldn't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. So, um, wait. I so, mean, how'd you get that gig? Long story short, uh, a cat named Julian Stewart, who grew up in Cleveland, he went to Shaker Heights High, I believe, um, which is a suburb. I went to Cleveland School of the Arts. I would have been going to Kennedy on Har- uh, Harvard if I didn't go to Cleveland School of the Arts because it was like audition only, and like mm-hmm. you had to be accepted and shit like that. Mm-hmm. But um, as we, uh, during that period of time, after we got grown, I was 17, 18, I had a group called Unlimited mm. with my brother. Oh, come on. I know all about <laughs> Unlimited. And Buddy was in the group. Actually, originally, um, a drummer named John Bryant 
was the original drummer of the group. Okay. And then after we got on our own, we started using Buddy. But we had a gig at the Robin's Nest on St. Clair in Cleveland. It's not even there anymore. It's a fucking old ass club. Um, we used to um, we used to have fucking gigs there. And yeah. so Julian Stewart came and sat in on Buddy's drums on one of my gigs, and um, I. You know, I met him that night, but I really didn't know or anything. Like so, yeah. years later, Julian moves to Phoenix. Okay, and he, for some reason, I don't know, he knows through Buddy that I live in Phoenix. So I talked to Julian. He calls me out the blue. He gets my number from Buddy, and then like he's like, "Yo, what's up, man?" I'm like, "What's going on?" He's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Shit, I'm I'm chilling, bro. Like, what are you talking <laughs> about?" He's like, "You not playing?" I'm like, "Nah, I'm not. Nah." He's yeah. like, "Why are you not playing or nothing?" Like, I'm like. It just, I was like, I used, I used the two years that I wasn't playing bass and like I didn't have my father's, you know, aura over me mm-hmm. to explore different ways of creativity and mm-hmm. actually live a different life. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and outside even, of that shadow. Yeah. And, and yeah. I don't even mean to skip, um, skip subjects, but like, this is why when COVID happened, like, I didn't have any problems because mm. I know what my life is like mm-hmm. without music. Mm. I mm-hmm. know exactly what mm. my life is like. I know who I am. If I never, if you cut my hands off and slit my, or bust bashed in my vocal box, like, mm. and I couldn't do music ever again, I still know who I am mm. and what I'm here for. Mm-hmm. Like, and I feel like that's the greatest gift I ever could have gotten. But through all the, trials and tribulations and the turmoil that's how i got there mm-hmm. so these years where i wasn't playing bass i had my bass i never gave it away mm-hmm. but i just was exploring different ways of creativity who mm-hmm. i was what i wanted to do who i wanted to be mm-hmm. and that's what you see in our creativity to this day mm-hmm. so um julian started uh getting me out of wherever i was doing and he started getting me to sit in at places and meet people and like and everybody, every time I would sit in, it would be like, who, who's this guy? Right. You know, like, who yeah. were like, what, yeah. what's going on? Yeah. And then slowly but surely, um, I did a gig at Fifth Avenue Cafe. It's not even there anymore. It's like, it was like off the Fifth Avenue and Thomas. Mm-hmm. And um, I was playing with Julian, Julian's little quartet. And um, Ron Simpson sat in for Nate Williams for the band which is the piano position but ron simpson is a multi-instrumentalist he's a phenomenal vocalist songwriter he's in a church quartet quartet world so he sat in hmm. but he's not really versed in like being a lead pianist so mm-hmm. i took all the solos for the night and you know made mm-hmm. it made it run smooth at the end of the night he was like yo you know what the fuck like who, who like you got a gig like what's going on and i'm like what's up like what's going on he's like Let's yeah talk about he's shit. like i do it every friday night we do some funk shit like on friday nights i'm like what's up and that literally that that was like tuesday or something wednesday and he was like that friday that's when i got the they got wow. the gig and the first night i i went in with that same mentality of yeah. like life or death like you right. know this right. is this is all i got leave and, it all right here yeah and it it went from being uh just another gig to like it really was a cultural mm-hmm. phenomenon in mm-hmm. phoenix like if i'm not mistaken i heard about it i, I mean, mean i heard it was, about it it was a thing yeah it was totally a thing and Did i'm it, not saying i'm like the sole reason that it happened but whatever blend that mm-hmm. was happening at that time it mm-hmm. was special and it really radiated through the city well and i don't 
I don't know if I can speak to this, but I'm wondering if there just wasn't anything like it. I mean, okay, we, we Charles has the blues was was happening. Uh, Rhythm Room was obviously happening. Yeah, so Warrens, yes, there was Gilbert. There were some clubs that yeah, were doing this. Voce, you know, Voce Lounge, Voce Lounge, which was uh, more upscale and more more contemporary jazz. Right, more, um, right. But uh, I wonder if you, you know, you basically. Cr- I mean, listen, man, you you were in a in a fucking German sausage, uh, right? I mean, yeah, Black so. Forest Mill was. The the next to the German sausage, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And like, what the it's fuck? A, what is it right now? Uh, also, 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 yeah. Same. So, um, also the, on Indian School, absolutely, yeah. The cat who owned it, a cat named Heinrich, one of a good guys, just innovative, yeah. Like he was just like, all right, I'm gonna run this restaurant during the day, and then afterwards we're just gonna party, yeah. Like so, he literally got the dirtiest funk band he could find, yeah, and had it in an area where there's nothing but like. Just Arcadia, right. you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, right. so it was like a mix right. of cultures. Yes, you had the German thing going. You had yes. German beers. I used to have a a Hefeweizen, a tall Hefeweizen, on. sitting on my amp every single week. And, and if, I would, yeah, yeah. So a, a good friend of mine, Robert Street, uh, he was uh, running like dance band. Uh, we would do weddings, corporates. He would hire me for $250 for weddings. And this is how. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I was happy to do it. You're like, what? I was like, what? 250 Hold I on. was happy to do Two, it. 250 Happy. <laughs> he met with me. I was going to Pima. I was going to Pima. He met me at the, um, what is it? Uh, what's the f- restaurant that they fucking, I can't even remember. Where is it? It's uh, So they have two. There's one right like on. The, not a vig. Postino, uh, uh, it's one, it was one of my go-tos. Hold on, hold on. It's on Indian School uh, and Forty Fourth, and then there's one in Mesa across from uh, uh, MCC. Uh, dude, I don't know. They have two, a, not a Peter Jungle. Peter Jungle, boom. Well, they have a thousand locations now. Yeah, bro, there's one right across the street. I didn't know that. Come, well, that's new. Is it new? Yeah, yeah I've been gone. I've been gone, baby. I've been gone, baby. I've been mile high, brother. Mile high. <laughs> so he met me at the Peter Jungle and was just pitched his. He pitched his band, but he brought me to that meeting because he came to Black Forest Mill. Dan Petrosino mm-hmm. is the one who told him was like. You got to go see this bass player at Black Forest Mill. And he was like, what? And he went. And he had a German. He got some shots. And he had one of the best times of his life hearing for funk music in a German pub. Like, straight up. But I didn't, even, I didn't even know what was happening at the time. But, like, I, I met so many people. So many yeah. people that came, came, and through. came through. And yeah. then I met so many people and, yeah. like, made so many relationships. And That's um, Voce Lounge for me. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, that was Lamar got right. like Lamar right. got that gig right. because of the buzz I was getting at a Black Forest Mill. Dominic uh, Amato actually yes. actually is the contact. Yes. Brought Florio right or something. No, or Dominic is the one that told Florio about Lamar Gaines. Uh huh. Because Dominic heard Lamar sit in when he came in off the truck. Oh Jesus! And then think about this: when you th- when when a man goes. To pick another career, and he goes on a truck to do like that's a full time job. How did how the fuck do you come back a better musician? I will tell you. You know, know this. You I know, know this story. I know. I know this story. You know this story. 
I love that. I love that about LG. He brought it. He brought a <laughs> fucking deck with him, and then he'd take a little break and just run scales, dude. And he's doing nothing. He has satellite radio. He's doing nothing but listening. Yes, he's listening. Yeah. And he's a yeah. He's a computer. He's a sponge. He, he's a sponge. He sucks yeah. it all in. Sucks it all and in. And he gets it in there, yeah. and then he sheds it out. Yeah. So I did a trip. Like he was on the truck. I did a trip with him from Phoenix. You did a leg with him? I did a leg from Phoenix to L.A. And he broke his key off in the fucking door and shit when no we got shit. to L.A. Yeah. Like, no bullshit. <laughs> we had to get a motel. I don't know. We had to get a motel. Or we had to call, like, somebody to get Triple in the car. A. Like, straight up. I had, a, I had a GMC Jimmy. It was like an 86 beat down. Like, pray pray before you start yeah. this type shit. Yeah. Like, like yeah. pray. Put your hands on the dash. Yeah. Touch all the windows. We, t- we took it to Sedona. We was like, Jesus loves us. <laughs> <laughs> but so I, what? So how did? So all right. So how long did that happen? That residency happen? And 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 kind of what came out of that? Because you got you know that that hit. I remember you moving to L.A. and working with Kelly James and doing all and working with Marion and like how does how does all this kind of work? Is there a way that you can kind of quantify the yeah. steps so um in 2012 2011 12 like my brother and i set our feet in the city mm-hmm. and we um i had a i had a fucking midlife crisis at, at fucking 25 brian mm-hmm. i was like if we don't put mm-hmm. out something that's ours mm-hmm. if we don't start on the path of writing music like um i was i don't know how i'm gonna feel like because you know you play in the clubs like you got the buzz like okay you're the guy but like if you don't leave a body of work Mm -hmm. what are we out here doing so i started having a midlife crisis at 25 26 so was it but was it a reaction to being a side man yeah well you know and wanted to front your own well no no but i've i mean i've been an artist Right before, like the first thing I, my first instrument, like I said, piano, but was vocals. Mm-hmm. Like I was five years old singing, mm-hmm. and then uh, throughout high school, I I did uh, the performance choir and all mm-hmm. shit like that. <laughs> but the direct Doctor Woods always made me play bass. But mm-hmm. being a vocalist has always been something that's been in my heart and been in my soul to do. Mm-hmm. Rapping came later, like. The rapping came when I realized I didn't want to just be a fucking crooner or mm. a R and B ballad mm-hmm. vocalist. Mm-hmm. Like now I can do whatever the hell I want to do. Can we all right, can we briefly talk about um um rappers who inspired you? Do you do you model what you do after anyone in particular? Like well, who are your favorite cats? Um first of all, uh, fuck I mean there's so many. Um I was Busta Rhymes, Method Man mm-hmm. from the Wu Tang, mm-hmm. and um, Bone, Bone Thugs and Harmony is a big mm-hmm. influence on me. Um, hmm. And because that's a mix, right? It's it's a mix of singing and rapping. Well, yeah, it was like Bone was probably the first rappers, and they always talk about the speed and all that. But hmm. I really think about the the melody mm. that they used to rap with. Mm-hmm. And then if you hear the rappers today, that's all that they're doing hmm. is rapping melodies. Hmm. I, I'm a fan of hip hop. You know, I have my favorites, and, and I and I and I feel like I can get I can describe why they are my favorites. But I'm curious to hear your thoughts on how rap and and hip hop has changed. If those two things are are the same, is rap hip hop 
are they the same and how they have evolved and, and, and at what moment did it inspire you? I love this question, Brian. <laughs> I can't wait until we come back. <laughs> Thank you for listening to So The Story Goes. I hope you are enjoying these conversations. Uh, and uh, I'm super uh, professional now. I have a, an email address. So the story goes at briansharttran.com. Hit me with, uh, you know, comments, people that I should talk to, stuff like that. Okay. We're back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's talk about, let's talk about that. Um, rap versus hip hop. What are the differences as you see it? Um, and then maybe some of the, of the artists in that genre that inspire you. And then we get to talk about vibing the new single from the Gaines brothers. And, uh, yeah, let's, let's start there. So, um, first and foremost, um, hip hop is, um, a culture. Mm. Hip hop is, um, if it doesn't have the, I believe it's three elements. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Or um um Well I'm not gonna do it. Well yeah. I mean, <laughs> well yeah. Anybody who's listening, correct me if I'm wrong. You got three elements of hip hop. You have um you got the bars, you got the words, you have the poetry, you have the the voice of the streets, and then you have the tag, the visual, the graffiti, mm-hmm. and, mm. and then you have the breakdancing. Mm-hmm. Mm. Those are the elements of hip hop. Okay. So a hip hop isn't just a music it's a culture mm-hmm. it's a way of life mm-hmm. so um that's the difference between rap and hip-hop got you so does rap speak more and i sound like a fucking old white guy which i which, yeah, which is right. what i am it's okay okay, it's okay thank Brian. you we're in a safe yeah, space I love you, man. okay <laughs> <laughs> so rap is more the genre so rap more hones in on the lyrical aspect of okay the culture Okay. The lifestyle. Okay. Okay. It, it doesn't have the other elements. I see. You know? Okay. Right. So no disrespect to the the new rap that's coming mm-hmm. out, but you can't call it hip hop if it doesn't have all the elements. Interesting. You know. Can I just share with you one of my first uh introductions to hip hop? Please. Uh it was three feet high and rising. Mm. De La Soul. Mm. Still, and, and, um, oh, fuck, um, uh, oh, oh, Digital Underground. Digital Underground, I mean, right. I mean, uh, what were some of the... Uh, Diggable Planets. Yes, Diggable Planets. Uh, Big Daddy Kane, I mean, even LL Cool J. LL. But early, you know. Notice, notice, but how all those were like, um, polit- that was politically charged music. Hmm. Like not, you had social commentary coming out of those yeah. raps and those bars, and you had basically the voice of the community. Hmm. So when that changed was, um, was it uh, um, uh, N.W.A. That was very political, obviously. Right, but um, yeah, it, that was the uh, that was the change in hip hop, huh. where it went from politically charged uh community music to um gangster rap oh interesting right okay so So that's the first time that we had it was acceptable to um highlight the bad things that were happening in in the community well and then and then we have to talk about you know ice tea 
you know, and some of that politically charged stuff. But to well, just to correct that, like not necessarily the bad things that were happening in the community. It was right. it was highlighting another uh, another. Well, it was just av- like it was just different. It was highlighting the community, though. Yeah, no, right? it was definitely shit that was going on in the community. Right. But like before that, like hip hop had a it was a voice of like it was positive. Uh huh. Notice it was a noticeably positive music. Well, and tell me, d- d- you know, sampling like f- you know funk tunes from the seventies. Yeah. You know, you get the Sugar Hill Gang. Absolutely. And it's, it's so, all right, so I feel like, I, 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 you know, I wish I knew more or could speak more articulately about this, but, you know, I feel like hip-hop started with sampling, you know, these great straight hooks. Ahead. Jazz. Right? Uh, you know, basically, yeah. right? Yeah. And then and then rapping over that. Right. And then, and then shit tar- started to get... A little bit more. It, well, as it became a mainstream music, right. Right. then right. the money got a hold of the music. Right. And then when the money gets a hold of the music, it turns into a, a political agenda. Which is the, the thing that's been yeah. happening forever and yeah. ever in every genre, yeah. basically. You know. Yeah, but like, you know, when the gangster rap started coming out, like, I, I like that shit too. Yeah. But at the same time, it was like, it's just a... Putting a spyglass over another aspect of the community. Uh huh. Okay. Like, so instead of, you know, highlighting another aspect of the community that was, you know, that's prominent and happening, it just shifted the focus. Uh huh. And huh. then huh. you have the generations that start looking up to this music, and then the whole like the whole shit changes, bro. Do you think? Do you think? Um, you know. All right. So the so the early years of hip hop. You know, kind of New York based. There's, there's the I'm chilling in New York. I'm chilling graffiti. In New York. There's break dancing. There's, there's, a, there's a community yeah, around this. You have thing. the three elements, right, in place, right. Yeah, and then is, what? I mean, and then I feel like, and then I feel like it became aware in, in a way. It, it was like, hold on, we're not, we're not public cele- enemy. Yeah, right. We're not celebrating this other thing anymore we're focusing on what it actually is to be here yeah which is which would the only people would know that is the people in the community right yeah so what we're experiencing or what we experienced was a globalization Mm. of a music that started in a in a fucking neighborhood right right like Nobody knew like hip hop was not a genre of music. Well, in a in a commercialization, well, absolutely right. Let's monetize which, this, which can't happen before it goes global. Like right. you have to right. have commercial before global. Like, but w- this shit started in a neighborhood, mm. and then the world literally took it over. So what mm-hmm. we're seeing mm-hmm. is the process of that happening. And mm-hmm. when the money gets involved, mm-hmm. that's when you see the shift of focus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like so, mm. the, so I'm not. I listen to I listen to like I love I love hip hop I love rap like I listen to the new cats like I'm you know mm-hmm. I'm not a spring chicken <laughs> you know but I listen to what the new cats is doing like and I implement that into yeah. my swag so I mm-hmm. always have the voice of the community like mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. ain't never gonna see me like you know like I'm not even gonna stay in a place where I can't communicate with what the fuck is going on right mm-hmm. now and mm-hmm. if I can't tap in i'm just gonna call it a day you're right you know right so but the like the difference between hip-hop like hip-hop is a way of life hip-hop hmm. is us uh is of a, a lifestyle it's a hmm. religion hmm. rap is something different hmm. you know hmm. rap rap um specifically um um highlights 
the lyrical aspect of the culture. Okay. And that's what we're seeing right now. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not seeing the tag, you're not seeing the breakdance, like, you're not right. seeing anything. Like, you're seeing cats rap about what they're doing. And, like, and now more of the hip hop, in, in my opinion, is, um, it's not a com- it's not a community charged music anymore. Like they're mm-hmm. rapping about um, they're rapping about things that the majority of people in my community don't experience. Hmm. Driving Bugattis and uh, Maseratis, interesting, and driving like and um you know spending hundred fifty thousand dollars at the club and like huh. you know like so it's highlighting things like and I'm not knocking them for that. Like this is. You know, it's just where music has gone, but it's not a politically charged or a fucking community charged music anymore, you know, because it's not the voice of the community. And I'm not saying all of the artists are like that because you have many great artists right now that are the voice of the community, but they're not getting mainstream play right now. Huh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 So like, and I'm not talking about Kendrick Lamar and like some of the like J. Cole and like, you know, like they, they have some of the voice of the community but the majority like you just see you know do you think it was the labels that saw the dollar signs and and wanted to monetize it in in a way well um also i mean i don't want to get too i don't want to get too deep into why things happen the way they happen but it's all about the dollar signs Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and um What's what we're seeing right now out of the hip hop community is what the labels are throwing the money at, mm-hmm. and that's, you know, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's talk about the new, ooh, the new heat from the Gaines oh, Brothers. The Gaines Brothers, Gaines Brothers, Gaines Brothers, Gaines Brothers, Gaines Brothers, Gaines Brothers. Come on, man. Vibing, <sighs> vibing. I mean, this has been a long time coming, Brian. I know. Like a lot of lot of trial and error, a lot of yeah. put shit out, see how it smells. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and um, so this record is um, let me just put it out there, man. Growing up, I was a big Boys to Men fan as a singer, and um, I had literally all their albums. I had a photo book with all their clippings in it and shit i was i was a weird mm-hmm. kid mm. i had all i was obsessed well that's all right sean stockton was probably like one of my favorite vocalists like and wanye like but they put out a record in the 90s and that featured all of the, like the popping hip-hop artists at the time mm-hmm. and that's what introduced me to hip-hop mm. Cause I was an R and B head, I was mm. a jazz head before that, and mm. then when I, this record literally blew my mind open. Which record was it? It was called. Oh shit! It was called Vibin. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! It was called Vibin. I just told. I just stole it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was called Vibin, but it was the remix. They had. A, uh, they had. A, so Boys Two Men, their second album, I was obsessed with. They had a, a version on there, but they came out with a remix with all the rappers on it. Uh huh. And uh-huh. then I saw the video, and I, that's when I got introduced to Craig Mack and uh, Tretch and yeah. uh, Method Man and yeah. Busta Rhymes and like, and it literally propelled me to like dig into like their work. So what, I mean, what year was this? This must have been early 94. 90, yeah, early 93, 90s. 94, yeah. maybe yeah. 94, 95. Because all those motherfuckers blew up. Oh my I God. I mean, they ruled. Uh, like Puffy was in the video. Like right. who's, the, who's this guy? <laughs> who's this guy? Like Puffy's like literally. Who's this Puffy, sir? <laughs> 
But like that was the first time I was like, I got introduced to that feeling. Yeah. Like the, of the culture. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the elements, like all the elements. And they had all the elements in the video. Yeah. The breakdance and they had the tag. Right. They had the, they had the, the raps and they had the vocalists. Like right. The energy and that shit like really took me over. And um, that's what propelled me to explore other um, ways of expression outside of just singing. Yeah. Like, so yeah. everything I've done in my life um, as a bass player, because I was a singer before then, and when I played bass, I was like, my brother told me, you're not going to be a regular bass player, motherfucker. You're going to be, yeah, they're going to know what you're going to do. You're going to know harmony. You're going to know mm -hmm. melody. You're going to know modes. You're going to know, mm -hmm. you know, the mathematics of music. And mm -hmm. I know that now, and I, I thank my brother to this day for that. Mm -hmm. But when it came to being a singer, like I, I, I was in the choir. I sang Mozart Requiart. I sang Chester Psalms. I sang uh, tenor. I sang alto. I sang fucking uh, baritone. Like I got hmm. all of these different experiences. Like so as a vocalist, like all of my talents, like when I started being a songwriter, I was a session writer in LA. Like I was going to the fucking studio every day. Whether I was inspired or not, I was just writing. Hmm. Like that's a different mm -hmm. craft. Mm -hmm. Completely. So everything that I do, like if you took everything else away, if I just had this, like I'm still going to be a motherfucker, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. So that's how I've always lived my life. So from songwriting, and then when I got to rapping, I was like, and this is before it went from, like we were still in the middle, like I, for a while, I was like, I wouldn't even rap, like, because it was like a thing. Hmm. It was like, you either got it or you don't. Like, I was like, kind of like, not scared to like, show or like, share to express or like, it was something I was very interested in. Mm -hmm. But like, I just had to work it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, yeah. make it mine. Yeah. And then when rap went left and then you got, you know, no disrespect to anybody, you got the bubblegum rap that's happening now. Right. Then there was no, there was no, no question in my mind huh. what I was supposed to do huh. and how I was supposed to do it. So, huh. yeah. Walk around living life stressing. All a nigga do is count money, count blessings. Gotta keep my family alive. All you'll ever do is see us survive. Why you hear this music last through the times? And yeah, this passion is mine. It's funny you ask, baby, but I think your taste in fashion is fine. If you fuck with me, I wanna make you feel the divine. The type of love that you can feel on your spine. And yes, I'm feeling vocal. You got me in a chokehold. Man, I love that chocolate, got me feeling that cocoa Got you loving what I'm saying when I'm saying it Damn shame, most of these niggas is not saying shit uh, Because I go against the grain And when I'm done with her, that bitch will never be the same Can I describe just what I'm feeling in you? It doesn't matter, cuz Can we talk more about um, vibing? Maybe the uh, the inspiration of the song, the the creation of the song, where you created it. Like, what's crap? What, what's happening? So, I was a big Boys to Men fan, um, in from nine years old to like fifteen, and um, that's what introduced me to hip hop. Mm. So, um, the second album that they put out, they had a song called Vibing, but it was the original version. They did a remix. 
um, that was just like a special release or some shit like that. It wasn't on the album. And um, they featured Tretch, Busta Rhymes, Method yeah. Man, like all of my favorite yeah. hip hop artists. Like, and then after I listened to the tune, it introduced me to an energy I hadn't been introduced to, and like it was like I need to figure out about what what is going on here. Mm-hmm. So um, after that record, I heard that record. I tapped in. I started tapping into hip hop, and I was like, oh shit! Like, and this is the time where every rapper sounded different. They mm-hmm. were pulling from different energies. Like mm-hmm. for the rappers today, I feel like all of them sound the same. Mm-hmm. Like, but this is the time where like, it was like um, back in the day, you were a musician, like you were, uh, John Coltrane sounded different from Charlie Parker, who sounded different from Sonny Stitt, who sounded different from, you know, everybody had their own identity. Mm-hmm. So listening to that record, like Method Man's probably my favorite MC on the planet. And then hearing the contrast between him and Craig Mack and him and uh, Tretch, like, was Mm -hmm. like, it was everything to Mm -hmm. me. Like, how they piece words together, how they piece bars together. Like, it was like an energy I've never fucking experienced before. So, I mean, years later, like, now, you know, I'm I'm in a place where I can write my own music. I've put out my own albums and uh, I've, I've explored my own expectation of creativity. Like, I was like, are we gonna make a new song? I literally just ripped the hook. The same yeah. hook that they put out on Vibin'. The, the, the melodic hook or what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The mm-hmm. hook like that mm-hmm. the boys to men sang. Like, mm-hmm. boys to men didn't sing any verses. They just mm-hmm. were in the hook, and they just let the, the rappers do the verses. Mm-hmm. And the video was fucking cool as shit. Mm-hmm. But, like, um, so... To so con- is this a remake of that tune, or th- it's your it's own a, tune? No, just- it's a remake. Like, oh, no, I, got I mean, I, I'm not going to say it's a remake. Like, I, I ripped the hook. It's in yeah. a different key. Yeah. I ripped the hook, yeah. but it's it has the same soul of... Got you. Yeah, but I used that record to display what I've learned and what I've... Um, was just grown as an MC, as mm-hmm. a rapper. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna do that hook and then I'm gonna rap the verses mm-hmm. instead of Tretch and like mm-hmm. and like yeah. So like that was like my coming out of coming out of my shell party. Like, yes, I'm a vocalist but I'm an MC too. And and paying homage to the people Absolutely that inspired you as a kid. Absolutely. Yeah. Like Buster Rhymes, like yeah. to, I don't know oh, how he's yeah. not top one top three in anybody's so you know. good yeah and another part of the another part of that crew that we were talking about on the break um that i learned through um tribe Called quest yeah right right it featured heavily kind of back in the day absolutely and and i'm like who is this motherfucker a very different style yeah had a had a vocal command jazz uh, heavily jazz influence yeah, yeah yeah i love the tune and your and your brother uh, is producing it and yeah, and mixing so, it and so I basically I sent my brother I was like look I'm gonna sing this fucking hook <laughs> and I sent him the video of the boys to men track and then he was like cool and then he literally did it. he made a track yeah. it w- it's not identical right. to what 
the track was on but it has the essence of it but like no i hope you don't sue me like literally i'm putting this out because i was literally obsessed with boys yeah. man as as a vocalist yeah i respect their body yeah. of work i see what they're doing right now yeah. like if i could work with them right now i there would like be right. nothing like the, right. i would put aside to do that right but right now it's dog eat dog like i gotta right. do what i gotta do right like i'm gonna put this shit out like what it is what it is come at me yeah, come on yeah man. come find me is it is it not good is it's good. It's good. If it, it because not? if it isn't good, you're not fucking calling right. me. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, can we can we talk just very briefly about the the honor that I had when you and your brother covered a love song? Love song. Come on, man. I mean, honestly, this is like this is this shit goes on my resume, dude. Come on. Hey, hey. So let me just let me just put this out here. Yeah. Um, my brother gets off the truck. He gets Voce. I'm still doing Black Force Mail. I leave Black Force Mail. I'm in like a transition stage of my life. I'm like, what the fuck? You know, what you know, what mm-hmm. am I gonna do? And um <laughs> I'm gonna bring it up, man. Dude, my brother uh was playing with you and he played your original music. And Mel Brown yeah. was playing your music. Shout yeah. out to Mel Brown. Shout out Mel Brown. To like Mel. I wouldn't be the bass player I am today Come without on. Mel Brown. Mel like, Brown, straight up. Straight up. Like like world class musician, world class human, human being. Yeah, yeah. Like agreed. Um, after you get past the bullshit, like when he knows you're about your shit, like there's nothing <laughs> that he's gonna hold back to get right. to you. Right. So like. Mel Brown, I had a like I had a target on his head when yeah. I fucking moved here. Like I was I, I went through his shit. I'm cat. like, dude, like he's fucking phenomenal. He's a phenomenal bassist. So, Out of Denver. Denver, Colorado. Evidently that where I live now. Like, and and fuck, I, I uh, my mind is shooting in a thousand places, but El Chapultepec, anyone? Dude, th- just dude, I went to El Chapultepec. Anyone? And I mean, one of the greatest. Frank Sinatra, name them. Name them. They've been, they played there. <laughs> it was depression. Like, they have tunnels under El Chapultepec no for Motherfuckers alcohol, to get out. <laughs> fucking. Yeah. We're yeah. going to run some shit yeah, out. We're gonna, yeah. Dude, if you go under El Chapultepec, you no see the tunnels way. from the depression yeah. where they were fucking running alcohol. <sighs> that's, where that, that's where that shit is. So it's closed now. Because is of, it? Dude, because of fucking COVID. It was a cash bar. It was a cash fucking bar. No. They no were like, receipts. no fucking, like, literally, you come up, like, yeah, you got an ATM right there, but we're not doing no, nothing. Bro, like, that's, the, that's the spot. Dude. That's the spot. So Get some I, bread together. Buy that club. So uh, somebody already bought it. They're, they're renovating it, and they're going to open it up. I hope it's not fucking it's a land, cheese. It's a landmark. It is, but I, a, I don't want it to be fucking Applebee's 2.0, some no, fucking bullshit. The, the toilet smelled like ammonia. And no, fucking, the whole joint kind of smelled a little strange. You've been there. Yeah, a so number of times. you've been time. there. Oh, yeah. Dude, like that literally. I went it to El Chapultepec, <laughs> and in Denver, that's how I fucking cut my teeth. Yes. Like, dude, I, I met everybody that I needed to fucking meet That's there. the hub. It fucking, right? And it's closed, dude. I know, it's a dream. Like, so now that El Chapultepec's closed, around the corner is like a dive bar that they opened in the 70s or the 60s, like... Okay. And that's the new El Chapultepec and I, and it uh, smells like ass in the bitch. <laughs> I call it turds. It's called herbs. I call it turds. 
dude, it smells like shit. But like literally every fucking day they have some sick shit going on. Like they got fucking yeah. music going on. Like the, yeah. on Tuesday nights, I can't remember the cat's name, but he's from the elk of Jimmy Smith and fucking Joey D. He plays wow. organ. Like, wow. I wish I could fucking say his name just just off of respect. Well, R.I.P. Joey. Joey D. R.I.P. Dude, my brother called me. My brother texts me because he plays with it. He's playing with his brother. He had a gig with his brother. Yeah. He texts me and I immediately like my whole world's fucked up. Yeah. And then I immediately text Marion. Yeah. Because yeah, that's my most of my best friends. Marion yeah. Meadows is Marian one of my Meadows. best friends. God bless. Fucking him. one of my best friends on the uh, fucking planet. Like he picked I me love up. That he was like, "Hey man, we go play together. Hey hey, we go play <laughs> together." <laughs> he was like, "I was like fucking." What twenty five? He was like, "Hey man, I'm about to pick you up. We going on tour." I'm like, "Fuck you, motherfucker!" Literally ten years after that, he was like, "He called me out the blue. I'm already in L.A. I'm already touring." He's like, "Hey man, you ready to go on tour?" I was like, "Motherfucker, I'm already on tour." What the fuck are you talking about, dude? What are you talking about? I love man, dude. I've been. Uh, Mary called me in 2013 after seven, eight years earlier saying that. Like, uh-huh. I'm gonna fuck with you. I'm gonna be in okay. Japan. Yeah. Like whatever needed to happen, that shit happened. Like so, let me give a shout out, <laughs> Chip Sheeran. Yeah. Chip Sheeran was I know the, Chip. Chip Sheeran was the original bass player for Marion Meadows. He played the bass line for um what don't 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 that's Dun. him on bass. That's him on bass. Are you fucking that's, with me? That's Chip Sheeran on bass. Oh Jesus, man. That's Chip what? Sharon on bass. He's a legend. He's a legend. Wait, who is that? Right. Exactly. That's him on bass. Oh, fuck. That's, right. a, that's a heavy fucking bass dude, line, homie. Dude, that's his root. Like, I came in the band, and, uh, like, when, you know, I, like, I'm just a young kid. Like, I'm a fucking young kid. Like, a what a scrapper. I'm fucking, I got the fucking fire in me, dude. I'm like, dude, dude, I got it in me. Like, let me get it out. Yeah, like, yeah. so um, Chip spent 20, 20, 20 plus years with Marion. Whatever happened, like, whatever yeah. happened. Yeah. Like, so I got the gig. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say, like, I have a, I don't have a relationship with Chip right now, but I have so much respect for the work he put in. Mm-hmm. Like, like nobody does like that shit, mm-hmm. and like isn't a player in the fucking community and mm-hmm. like a fucking pioneer. Like, but just for me to hold that spot right now. Hold on, was that Sugar Hill Gang? Sugar Hill Gang. Boom, you got it. Are you fucking with me? I'm he not. wrote that line. He played the. Nah, he he played it. Not only did he write it, he played it. Bro, that's. That's some serious. I mean, that's got to fuck with your head too a little bit, like right. But I have the gig. Like he had Marion Meadows gig for twenty five years, and uh-huh. whatever happened between I them, I met that kid. He's yeah. a nice kid, dude. He's a fucking like yeah. he's a he's a prominent fucking musician. Like he's a fucking pillar in the fucking industry. Community, yeah, yeah. Like, but just being imagine like you know some shit happens between you know him and Marion and like sure I'm over just, twenty years. Yeah, like shit's obviously I get hired for the gig and like I don't I don't have anything. I have yeah. nothing against Chip. Like right. I fucking honestly, everybody I'm playing with right now, Alex Bunyon, f- like every Brian Simpson, 
everybody I'm playing with right now, I've known them since I was fucking 13, 14 years old. Wow. I've been looking up to these motherfuckers for years. Mm-hmm. And I'm in the space right now. Right. But when I got the space, I was like, dude, like, I, I have nothing to do with the drama. Mm-hmm. Like, and everything to do with, like, mm-hmm. I'm, it's just my time right now. Mm-hmm. It's my time. So, like, Mary's one of my best friends right now. And oh, it happens so organically. Awesome. Yeah. Like, he said that shit 10 years prior. I was like, whatever, <laughs> motherfucker. Whatever. And then he literally called me, like, 10 years later and, like, like hold fast to his word. Yeah. Like, yeah. he really fucking pinned down on this. She was like, yeah. yeah, man, you ready to go on tour? I was like, motherfucker, I'm already on tour. I'm in L.A. I'm like, I'm fucking touring right now. Like, what's up? What's, what's good? Where are we going? What's the bread? What's the layover? You know, yeah. I need some logistics. Right. right. So when when he called me, I was like, dude, whatever. Like, and I've, I've been with him for 10 years now. Man. And then um, he's doing a joint venture with Alex Bunyon. Yeah. Uh, a fabulous, fucking phenomenal. He was on the uh, phenomenal fucking jazz pianist. Yeah. Yeah. So he brought Poogee Bell as a drummer, and then Marion brought me as a bassist. Poogee uh-huh. Bell was playing for Erica Badu. Oh, man. And he was Marcus Miller's. Oh. Drummer oh, through all of the hot shit that you fucking heard. That was oh. Poogee Bell on drums. Jesus, and that's one of my best friends. I just sent him some fucking gummies to fucking Pittsburgh. <laughs> I just sent him. Shit's illegal in Pennsylvania. <laughs> I just sent <laughs> I just sent him some gummies, dog. I swear to God. I swear to God. That's when you know it's real. Dude, when you send gummies across But like life. I'm in this space right now. Right. Like I'm you know, I'm so like just uh i'm a sponge yeah like because i'm in a space right now that i never could have imagined if i could Mm -hmm. go back and talk to the 15 year old me and Mm -hmm. tell him what he'd be doing right now right there's not like he'd be like what the fuck man yeah yeah right yeah that's what you're doing fuck yeah i i love i love having that conversation in my mind just in, in in these moments where shit isn't going right or whatever covid or whatever when you can't tour, I, I, I thought about this often. It's like, if you could tell your 18-year-old self Bingo. what you're doing. Right now. Right now. Right now. What, or what you've done already. What you've done and what is paused and what will come. <clears throat> uh, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting thing, right? Because... Right now, you you feel a fucking certain way. You're like you have all the uh, the uh, stress of yes. the anxiety, the responsibility. You know. I mean, and all this shit. And and it's like, bro, but, bro, zoom out for just five minutes. Zoom out and 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 think about your 18 year old self and what they he wanted to do. And and it's like it's really hard to get some perspective at that moment. But when you know that that brought me a sense of 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 peace you know it was like listen man times are tough right now for everybody you know and 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 thankfully i didn't lose anybody to the covid or whatever um but you you get caught up you were in, doing a show bro yeah dude you were doing a whole fucking show collecting the bread yeah i we, was like i need to be like <laughs> brian <laughs> I was like, I need to fucking do some damn songs. You, you, we were together <laughs> dude, in Tucson. Dude, we were on tour yeah. when COVID broke. Yeah. And you know I who thought, broke it to us? 
Who? Adam Armijo. Adam. <laughs> Dude, he spent the rest of the tour so fucking annoyed. I can't even tell you. Dude, I text my wife. I was like, I might die. Like, I love you. I might, I might not make it home. Like, straight up. Well, the sh- literally, they were telling you, like, yo, right. you just, you're going to die. Well, they're like, Tom Hanks has it. So I'm thinking, <laughs> all right, I'm going to die then. Fuck, yeah. If fucking Tom like, Hanks has it. What were we in fucking small town Cali or some shit? No, no, like- we were outside of Tucson at that. We did two, we did two shows in Tucson. And we had two left in Cali yes. or some shit. No, no, in Arizona. Okay. It was going to be Wickenburg and Mason. And they got canceled. And they got canceled. Okay, yeah, yeah. So we were, that was a Wednesday hit but what in were, Tucson. what were the cities we were in when, that, when the news hit? Well, Because that's we, what, like, literally, well, Matt, like, Adam was, yeah. like, talking about having a hoodie over my face. Like, I used to, like, literally Bro, flip a hoodie he, over my face. So, like, one of the hot spots was <laughs> Seattle. Okay. And we were flying through Seattle. Yeah. That's why I met my cousin, my 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 cousin. Yeah. yeah, and then the next hot spot was L.A. We flew down yeah, to L.A. Yeah. We were in that was LA the last and, show. Yeah, that was okay, the last show. <laughs> Dude, I was but, like, whoa, this could be the last time we perform ever. Yeah, I was literally texting. Him, I was like, I don't know what the fuck going on, but I might die before I get home. I mean, just I love you, baby. I love you. <laughs> I love you. Cherish my spirit. But bros, it mean. It went from, you know, what would have been one of the greatest springs, most most busiest springs of my life to in the middle, cut down, Who shut are down. you? Yes. Who are you? What are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. And that was the terrifying thing. Who are you? What are you going to do? Well, and I, and I really, I didn't fare well. I, I, I was lost, man. And, and. Without performing, without performing, uh, I, I felt no uh, uh, creative juices. So, oh, yeah. so now I'm double fucked, right? Yeah, I was, I was experiencing. I was so. Um, when I moved to Denver, um, I didn't have any gigs. I didn't have, like, it was just like when I moved to Phoenix. Mm. It was just like when I moved to L.A. I didn't have a plan. I mm. just did it because yeah. I'm fucking stupid or crazy or some shit. You are, you are adventurous. Yeah, you, you, by you, nature. You seek new experiences. Yeah, when I, when I feel like I've done everything I need to do and I met everybody I need to meet and, like, you go. I feel a certain way and I'm like, no, in order for me to grow as a person and mm. become the person I'm ultimately meant to be, mm. I need to continuously mm. challenge myself. Mm-hmm. So that's what that's what F, that's what Phoenix is about. That's mm-hmm. what LA is about. Mm-hmm. That's what Denver's about. Yes, I, I would say that. I would say that. You know, LA is about recreating yourself. Like, you know, I don't know. It seems like a strange. LA thing. didn't sit right with me, man. Right. Like I was, I mean, I was playing for Kelly James. I was making a certain amount of money, but if in in America you got two cities, L.A. and New York. Yeah, for music, I'm a I'm a I'm more of a New York guy. Uh huh. Like as a like yes, to the core. Yes. Who I'm, how I'm built. Yeah. Like I can survive in any fucking city because I grew up in the goddamn slums. Yeah. So, but musically. Like I'm more of a New York guy, gritty. Yeah. Tell you yeah. how it is, yeah. say it in your face, right. than an LA guy to be right. like, right. yeah, we're at the beach and like, yeah, yeah, every, yeah, everything's good, and then say some shit behind your back. Right. 
Like right. I'm more of a New York guy. Yeah. So I, I figured that out literally three weeks into living in L.A., which was always my dream from fucking Cleveland. Like yeah. being a place that doesn't have a winner. Right. A, a fucking prominent music city. And then I moved there and I realized that I hate this place. <laughs> I'm the same way. I hate this fucking place. I'm much more of a New York kid. Yeah, I love like no, I love visiting. Yeah, and I love the beaches. And yeah, I love, yeah, yeah. Like I love the party there. Like don't get yeah. me wrong, I love the women there. Like yeah. don't get me straight. Like right. get like let's get it straight. Like right. I fucking love that shit. Right. But living there, no, no, no. If I can't be a part of the community, if I can't fucking ingratiate myself within like my environment around me it's not the place for me right so that's what like i have my connections in la i i love la but i love visiting not living there right right um what's on the horizon for you i i i know i follow you on your social media and 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 motherfucker was on a fucking airplane like every other time i saw a post guess like Cleveland, Atlanta, uh, fucking wherever, man. Like, you were moving this summer. Like, um, I can't even... I'm so blessed to be able to be in the space I'm in right now. Like, I told you, like, I've been playing for Marion. I was... When I lived in L.A., I played for an artist named Kelly James. He's more like... um, like top five percent, like surfer golf. Like I okay. was in, I was in these places. Uh, El Pedregal. I was in fucking Augusta. Like all mm-hmm. the places I had never, like I never thought I would be mm-hmm. in these places. Like, but my musicianship <laughs> enabled me to experience these things. Mm-hmm. Like, so after I uh, cut ties with that contract and with Ke- Kelly, like I, I was like, I'm gonna be my own artist. Mm-hmm. And when I when I cut ties with him, that's when I started building my own show. Mm-hmm. I started, like, I dropped the album in 2014. It was unlimited with my cats, Jermaine and Buddy. And then I dropped a solo album called Will Gains the Pursuit of Happiness. Mm-hmm. And that's around the time I was having a full midlife crisis because I had been back Quarter life crisis. Well, you know. Right. We don't know how long we're going to be here. Okay, good yeah. point, good yeah. point. Yeah, yeah I'll just know. put that out there. Okay, bro. got you. Especially when you live like me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My wife's rule to me is don't die. <laughs> Literally. My wife met me was like, okay, here's what we're going to do. Come. Don't die, motherfucker. Here, first rule of, first rule of play. <laughs> You're not dying. Yeah. Yeah, but... um. Yeah, that's a whole nother podcast okay. right there. <laughs> well, we got yeah. we got part two, part hey, three, part hey, four. Bro. I'm all... coming back, baby. Okay, right, I'm coming go. back, baby. Right, baby. I got so much shit to I say. I know, to I know, you. I know. And we could, yeah. we could, we could do this. Talk we about could, for fucking days, on, man. We could do this shit for hours, baby. Come on, man. <laughs> like, well, let's say it. Like, okay, my rule is not die, but like, okay. my my lifestyle has always been like, I've always since I was a kid, I've always known what I want to accomplish. I'm an artist. My brother is a master musician, and yeah. not only is he a master musician, he is a, a genius. Yeah. So mixing, mastering, like if literally, if he wakes up today and be like, "I want to learn this," he's not gonna call anybody. Right. He's not gonna fucking ask anybody. He's right. just gonna learn it for himself. Right. That's the type of genius he's fucking operating yeah. on, and yeah. I've always been under that shit. I'm right. too. I'm fucking. I'm the little brother. Right. The fuck am I gonna do? Like, right. dude. Like, what the fuck? Hey, man. Relax, bro. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Take a vacation. Yeah. yeah. But that's what's driven me. Yeah. 
my, like there's you're never gonna get to a place where I'm not gonna be able to hang with my brother and fucking right. hang with him in that space. That's and, interesting. Yeah. And that's been like my driving force. And yeah. I don't know if he knows that, but if he listens to the podcast, he'll know. Like, dude, if without my brother, like I'm I'm in jail or in the streets or like doing some dumb shit, like straight up. Like yeah. he's always been the uh just a uh, not like just a overlying factor of like this is what I want to do. This is where I want to be. And if I can actually accomplish this within my own mind, I have, well, fucking, I have my brother with right. me. Like, right. how can we lose? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My brother has always had the master musical command because yeah. he's had the discipline to study and to apply it to his life. And yeah. I've watched him do it. Yeah. Like, um, I mean, that's a master class right there right I well mean, yeah like nobody knows why like my brother plays keys you can't tell me anybody that he sounds like who does he sound like no no he's a chameleon he sounds like my father on keys oh. advanced no shit. to the point where he can express himself freely wow. like he has the same vocabulary he has the same touch he has the same uh feel Wow. But he reached places that my father couldn't go. Wow. So if you hear my pops play piano and you hear him play through a standard, oh. you'll be like, Lamar. No shit. Lamar. <laughs> can, I, can I hear this before I die? Can I hear your father play piano? Um, I'll sit, Well, you can hear him play bass. I would love my, that. My father has an album out. Um, he played with a, a cat named Skeets Ross. Skeets has passed away. Everybody's from my father's era. Literally, yeah. he's the last one left. Yeah. <clears throat> but I have a I have an album that he played standards with. But the only way you'll be able to hear my pops play piano is to hear him play. He plays right now. No shit. He's in a group home. Yeah. Does he have a piano in there? Absolutely. It's the only way he's able to get through. Right. Right. Yeah. So my my father, his memory and his brain is so intact at eighty four. Wow. Even through all of the trauma because of music. Uh-huh. If you know anything from the studies of music and memory, right. they go hand in hand. Hand-in-hand. You can play, somebody can have Alzheimer's and be totally out of their uh-huh. mind. As soon as you play a song right. that they're familiar with, yeah. They'll they, sing it. they immediately go back yeah. to the place that we're in and yeah. they can fucking have some type of cognitive yeah. function. Yeah. Like that's the power of music. So my father, who's been through more trauma than I can even... It's expressed to you. Right. He has cognitive sense because wow. of his musical vocabulary. Yeah. And just being present. Yeah. Everybody else in my family has to have Alzheimer's and they can't fucking remember shit and they're fucking uh-huh. out of here. He's uh-huh. 84 years old and you can talk to him and he has all of his cognitive functions yeah. and he relates everything to a song uh-huh. or a time in music. He has a vocabulary of music that's over five 500 525 songs wow literally wow and he can go through how he learned these songs who he played them with what he did like it's his really remarkable like where my bro where my father came from and where he's able to stand right now i'm like i just came to phoenix on friday i've been writing in the studio and i can't wait to see my father yeah to even just pick his brain even more yeah i hope uh well thank you 
for sharing your story. I'm I'm a huge fan of yours. Oh my <clears throat> god, I'm a f- dude. It, I I didn't get to say this. I'm sorry to cut you off. When I moved to Phoenix and my brother was in Voce, and then he finally got um, a hold on the gigs. He was playing with Mike Florio, Connie Cole, but he was playing for you. Mm-hmm. And Mel Brown was your bass player. Mm-hmm. And Mel Brown came to a place where he wasn't going to play your gig anymore. And mm-hmm. you called me. Dude, and this was before I could read a chart. And this is before I, I, was, I came into the space that I'm right now. Mm-hmm. I listened to your shit because I loved it. Like, I can't even listen to it. Like, when I get gigs and I fucking hear music that I can't fucking stand, I can't listen to that shit. <laughs> I fucking literally... Listen to your shit for three days straight because I you're a fucking phenomenal songwriter nah, and the nah. shit that you were putting out was like I can fuck with this shit mm. and I had to come behind Mel Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, let me put this shit out here, Frank. <laughs> Frank, who owns fucking Nook. Yeah. When I first did your gig, yeah, at Rhythm Room. Yeah. Frank, yes. Frank was like, where's Mel? Uh, That's the first fucking thing he said no to me. Shit. Frank owns Nook. Yeah. He owns the bar. Yeah. He's fucking yeah. prominent. That's my, one of my best friends. Yeah. I played for his wedding. Yeah. The first time I met him, he was expecting to see Mel no, Brown no. on your set. Yeah. And he was like, before the set stopping, I no was like, shit. yeah, I'm playing bass, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, where's Mel? I'm like, Mel ain't here. <laughs> and I played the set. And after I played the set, he was like, Okay. Will motherfucking games, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but I was so enamored with your songwriting that it it didn't make me none to spend. I literally spent a week. I spent seven days learning your whole fucking catalog wow. to where I didn't need a chart. I didn't. Yeah. When I showed up, I fucking knew that shit by heart. Yeah. And well, that's the type of respect I have for you, Brian. Well. That's that's huge respect, and I and I gotta say every time and or any time that we get to work together, uh, it's always a pleasure. And your your musicality speaks for itself. Your um, attention to detail, your dedication to the craft, in 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 and 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 I don't say this lightly, but you know you are. You have traveled enough. You are. You have experienced the road, where, you know, a lot of motherfuckers would get. You know, this isn't right, man. Or you know, the van isn't this, or the hotel isn't this, or the backline isn't this. <clears throat> yeah. You are an easy motherfucker uh, to travel with, to tour with, and as we were talking about, maybe on the break. Um, there's an energy that you bring mm-hmm. and that is indispensable because you know listen man when you're on a run it, like man if someone goes south it's tough out there we're man. all fucked yeah you know like, if one person goes south yeah and you never do and you just have this this open mind and what you do with your brother on the live from Laurel Canyon shit is I, i'm telling you it's otherworldly, and I'm just happy to be on the fucking stage well, with you, motherfucker. But it's so good. I'm t- yeah, but I'm telling you, man. I, I, if I get to be a part of that conversation on some very minute level, what you do individually is incredible. I love you. I love your brother. I, you know, I love what we get to do. You know, I'm I'm proud and honored to call you a friend. 
uh, I'm really honored that that we get to make music together because you expand my mind, and um, I'm really proud of the music that we've made. So I hope we get to do that in the oh future. I want to do a song with you. Like I don't just want to take your song and do it. Like <laughs> we should just do a song together, Brian. Let's do that. Come Let's on. That. All man. right. All right. It's been it's 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 been said. Like genre specific, like whatever you're trying to do. No, baby. genre unspecific. <laughs> Let's just fucking explore some shit. No, Let's I would love that. Fuck around. I would be on. I'll be the rapper. You be the singer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you, and really thank you for taking the time. I know that your time is precious, and oh, and you're here for a minute, dude. You know, so I know we've been trying to do this. I know for, for <laughs> two years now, and we finally got we it finally done. Got it. But honestly, said I don't even have any more whiskey to fucking tap, but. Well, we're gonna get into it when the, when the <laughs> we shit got a whole bottle. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but like uh, vibing, yeah. like yeah. vibing, like yeah. me and my brother, we have three albums out. But if you haven't been hip to us already, we're gonna drop a song, multi genres every month. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't wait. Yeah, I got two albums on the hard drive that haven't been released. Jesus. We just got signed by a wall that just got purchased by Sony. Oh my god! Shout out Eddie Blackman. We were on your tour when we made that shit happen, Brian. Yeah. So, um, it's just go time right now. I'm so psyched for you. I'm really, really. It feels like the world is right, dude. I just wrote three songs on Monday. Like, just feel like here. Like, I'm. I'll be at home. I'm a fucking father. I'm a fucking. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a. I'm a. I'm a husband. Like, I can't. I can't write at home because. I got too much shit to do. As soon as I came out here and I was chilling with my Crank brother and baby yeah. and, and, my, yeah. and my niece, yeah. like that shit just started pissing out of me, like I fucking pulled my, out of my pores like crazy. So, I love it. Dude, I, I love you, wait. Brian. Thank love you so you, much man. for having me on of the course. podcast. I, and I'm, I, I'm, I have the honor. Whenever you need me back, just let me know, baby. <laughs> <laughs> my man. Go <laughs> Gaines. Yes, sir.